Welcome to Energy Radio. This is episode 57. Today I'm filling in for Matt Lensink as host as part of a special part one of two segment related to CEM's 30 by 30 initiative. For those of you that may not have seen our most recent post about the initiative, the 30 by 30 initiative was started by Engineers Canada and is it aimed at raising the percentage of women engineers by 30% uh, by 2030. With that, I'd like to introduce our special guest today. Welcome, Melissa Strange. How are you? Thank you, Lisa. I'm great. Thank you. How are you? Good. It's been years since uh, I've actually seen you in person. And uh, we were we were starting to get into this just before the podcast. And then I said, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. I want to just do this in the podcast. It'll be great. So, yeah, you went to Cardinal Carter. And then yeah. you worked with my sister, I believe, at the Kingbridge Center, was it? Correct. Yes. Okay. Wow. That's crazy. But yes, that is correct. (laughs) Yeah, unbelievable. Well, you know, I have to say I've been keeping up with your LinkedIn posts and, uh, you know, I've been quite intrigued because you've switched over from basically the hospitality space and you're now into construction. We'll kind of unpack that in a, you know, a few minutes. But when I when I saw your LinkedIn post and I was thinking about our 30 and 30 30 by 30 initiative, I thought, oh, Melissa's going to be great to have on because it's not like you've been involved in a male dominated sector for years upon years, you're sort of just getting into what people refer to as a male dominated sector. So it was, I, I wanted to bring that kind of different point of view into the show and, uh, you know, into this kind of, like I said, part one of two um, segment. So m- maybe talk a little bit about, you know, where did you start? I'm mean, obviously, you know, we went to school together, but beyond that, uh, you know, where did you start? How did you get into the hospitality space? What led you to that? And then now you're in construction. So I'd love to hear a little bit about, you know, the switch and, you know, what if you're liking it and, you know, all that kind of good stuff. Sure. Uh, so I guess um, a brief backstory. We'll try to keep it <laughs> brief. Um, following high school, I went to University of Windsor for communication studies, sort of a general degree initially kind of thinking of getting into marketing. Um, It was sort of the the basis for many different avenues. Again, marketing, advertising, broadcasting, film. So that was kind of my thought. Um, In between a couple of uh, school years, so during the summers, I worked at the Kingbridge Center, um, starting out in a couple um, entry-level positions. And then upon graduating from university, needed a job, and oh, I wonder if they're hiring. Uh, The location was close to home, sure enough they were, so started working there, Um, worked my way through a a few different roles there, and um, then I took a little leave of absence uh, to go work abroad in Ireland for a year, came back and ended up back at the Kingbridge Centre. Um, but eventually, um, my career path took me to the sales side of the business and then um, the event planning side, which I loved. And initially, working at the Kingbridge Center, that was my major draw was, oh, a conference center, they do events, I'd love to be an event planner. So um, really was more managing um, and planning corporate meetings. And conferences as opposed to events but uh, that's kind of the easiest way to sum it up for someone outside of the industry um, and uh, I was there for several years kind of on a more career path I was there for over three years 
in uh, as a sales manager role and then over three years as the conference planning manager role. And I learned about this world called incentive travel, which uh, was similar to what I did, um, but it's taking that event planning role, if we will, I'll use air quotes, event planning, um, and applying it so whereby I'm not working as a planner for a venue, I'd be working as a third party for the client um, with the opportunity to travel, which is something that I really enjoyed. Plus, it would be bigger programs. Um, the Kingbridge Center had limited capacity. The largest room was 300 people, which is a fair size. But this would be taking 400 plus people uh, down to Costa Rica for a week and planning all of their meals and events and so forth. So that I found really interesting. I uh, was lucky enough to eventually find an opportunity and, and work in that field for a couple of years. But then um, this coronavirus uh, came along, uh -huh. um, which initially and I uh, found myself laid off for a period of time, um, five months. And uh, during that time, I was sort of, I take it as a unique opportunity um, to, I, I just, you know, the situation was what it was and I just tried to make the most of it. So, um, you know, I, my thought was I'm never going to have time like this off ever again. So how do I want to use my time? You can't go anywhere. So I was trying to catch up on lots of different projects around the house, just keep busy. And I found that I really enjoyed working with my hands, seeing the results of my work. Um, eventually after, after my five month layoff, I did end up getting let go from my job. And mm -hmm. so um, seeing the effect of uh, the pandemic on the hospitality industry, I felt it was in my best interest to pursue other avenues. Uh, mm -hmm. There were a lot of people in my network that um, I saw got let go in various roles, some very senior, which I found um, quite scary or discouraging even. Very few jobs were out there, and, and the few that were, the, the um, competition was really high. So um, I started uh, looking into, I reached out to a trade school, I guess, um, initially thinking about HVAC. Um, I was all over the map. Plumbing, <laughs> considered lots of different options. Um, and in reaching out to them, they had told me about this program called Second Careers that the uh, whereby the government can assist you with financing just um, due to particular situations, which they felt um, in, in my particular instance, I would likely qualify. Um, but in order to do that, you had to go through an employment agency. So I had reached out to one, was in contact there, and unfortunately did not qualify for that particular program. But they did stay in touch with me to help me out and found um, a different opportunity. They shared a virtual information session for a new uh, trade school, I guess, that was opening up. And um, that uh, ended up being the school that I uh, went to. I, I attended the, the virtual information session. They offered um, eight different programs or eight different trades. Carpentry was the one that I felt uh, best mm -hmm. suited my interests. Um, so I applied and was accepted. And then off I was to carpentry school for six months. That's, that's awesome. Program, so so no, that, that's great. And, and so 
it was really so it sounds like it was COVID obviously that brought this all on did you know that you liked working with your hands just out of curiosity as like as a as a kid and like were you because this is such a shift right you're going from hospitality to construction like what did your parents think like you know did you did you hit any of those typical uh gender biases that somebody might be saying well really you want to go into that like you know like did, did you get any of that or or can you talk to us a little bit about that piece sure um i guess in terms of um working with my hands in, in the past i have as a child always enjoyed arts and crafts more recent years i've enjoyed cake decorating more so the decorating side than the baking <laughs> <laughs> um my i help my dad around the house do a lot of different projects um and he he's a very handy person always has been growing up um i didn't spend as much time alongside him as I should have could could know a lot more now if I had but um, anyway so I, I did always have that exposure and um, I, I do enjoy keeping active as well um, uh, you know taking care of your, yourself working out as opposed to just being stationary all the time so those are a couple of uh, traits about about me um, my parents were really supportive of the idea. Um, I guess my mom initially thought that I should, because I loved it so much, um, look at trying to go back to my former industry because trades will always be there. There is, um, a, or going to be more so, an increased demand for them in future years. From what I understand, more people are retiring than are actually entering the workforce. Mm. and. My thought was more, uh, you know, if I get in now, by the time we hit that point uh, in society, I will be skilled, not starting out. And um, so I just felt that, you know, this may be a really great opportunity. And also, I feel things happen for a reason, for me anyway, or maybe I just always try to see the silver lining. Um, so I, you know, I felt rather than pull a UE and go back to what I was doing, I think onward and upward we go. So um, my dad obviously is so excited to talk tools with me all the time and share tools and buy me new tools. <laughs> <laughs> and the support uh, for women, like I, I'm, I have left a highly female dominated industry, the event uh, world. And yes, moved over to a more male-dominated industry. Um, I personally haven't, have not experienced, uh, at least at this point, gender bias. There's a lot, I, I've received a lot of support um, from males and females, uh, including my employer. Um, I guess people are often surprised if I <laughs> talk about it. Um, Mainly, I think, due to my size and my gender, <laughs> but um, I'm a, a little more petite for um, such a uh, physically demanding job. But um, and especially now, trying to get more diversity in general in in trades and construction, um, you know, be it women and, and other visible minorities. There, there's a lot of a lot of support and I would say more support than than bias um, 
at, at least from what from what I've experienced so far. That's great. Now, are you are you working right now for like a construction or firm or company, or are you like are you an intern? Like, what's what's your job status right now, Melissa? So, I, yes, I do currently work for a general contractor. Um, okay. I guess initially my thought was finishing my pre-apprenticeship program in carpentry and find someone to take me on and do my carpentry apprenticeship. Um, my employer respects the fact that I'm interested in uh, doing a carpentry apprenticeship, but he was actually really keen to teach me more than just carpentry if I was interested. So um, I've been working with him just over three months now, and I've had my hands in so many different things. It's been an amazing experience. Um, you know, we've got the opportunity, we've done some drywall, uh, worked with concrete, done some masonry, um, put in a floor, uh, certainly some carp carpentry st still, um, framing. One of the jobs right now I'm working on is installing hardy board on the exterior of a house. So it's a cement fiber board, um, quite dusty when you cut it and awkward flimsy boards, <laughs> but it looks really great, the end result. Um, so I've just been enjoying the variety and learning lots um, as we go. Um, did a, Got the opportunity to put a roof on an addition a few weeks ago. So um, I wouldn't say that I, I'm not going to pursue my apprenticeship. It's, I've just kind of put it to the side for now. Also, I may find that carpentry isn't what I want to do. Perhaps there's a different um, uh, achievement, if you will, that I want to pursue mm. uh, rather than than my carpentry apprenticeship. So, yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's good to hear that you know you're you're not coming across some of the gender biases that you know I think historically you know if you were you know maybe doing this transition ten years ago or maybe even five years ago you know you might have come across more of those gender biases. And I think that the fact that your parents are just so supportive about it is awesome as well. Um, you know, I remember growing up, I don't remember if you remember this or not, but I used to ride, well, ride, ride and race dirt bikes as a kid, right? So, I and, just, and, and my sister Jessica did too, right? So, well, she didn't race, she rode. She was a little bit scared of the racing piece, I think, but uh, that's okay. I'm not, no, competition's not for everybody. But at basically at 12 years old, my grandfather said, no, 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 you can't ride this motorcycle. You know, that was this first motorcycle that I got. It was a Yamaha, a 1975 GT80 Yamaha. I remember it like it was yesterday. And, you know, I was like a kid in a candy store, and all I wanted to do was learn to ride. And he said, no, 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 you can't ride this thing. And I said, well, why not, Granddad? And he said, no, 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 you've got to, you've got to tear this thing apart, and you really have to understand how it works and what's making it move. And this is a guy who, you know, was a quality inspector for Spar Aerospace and worked for de Havilland on fighter jets. And, you know, he was, this was kind of what his job was. But I remember as a child, like those moments where I was spending with him, you know, in this garage or in the basement, learning about, you know, pistons and rings and measuring cylinders and all those sorts of things. But I also remember my grandmother, right? And every time I'd come up from, you know, the basement with my grandfather on a weekend, after, you know, taking another part of the engine apart or replacing something, she would say, Lisa, 
This is you're you're doing something that men are supposed to be doing. Like, why are you? You know, this is not ladylike. This is not ladylike. And I'd come up with my greasy hands and, you know, dirt underneath my fingernails and things like that. But what was so interesting is even for my grandmother who passed away a couple of years at 86, she later like as as you know the years went on, she would say, "Oh, Lisa, you're a woman of all trades." Because my grandfather didn't just stop at motorcycles with me. It was you know plumbing and it was electrical and it was flooring and it was you know building a shed and those sorts of things and he really he was instrumental in terms of where I'm currently am today and you know the development that I've made from you know especially a mechanical perspective um and and that obviously impacts my role at CM and has historically over the course of my career but it was interesting to see you know my grandmother was you know on one hand she was kind of uh, you know, she would give me these comments verbally, and then she was kind of smirking and kind of really happy about what, you know, I, I was becoming. So, um, you know, and that that was, you know, just the way it was in those days. But, you know, again, to see that support for me was, it was always uh, an easy kind of transition into male-dominated careers, which I've literally worked in the majority of my career. So, no, I think it's great that you've been able to see that as well. And, and what do you think is required to get more women involved in male-dominated sectors? Like, like you, you know, you made the shift to construction. Is it is it education? Is it you know trying to kind of knock down the fact that there aren't as many gender biases as people think there are? Like, what do you think we need to do to get more women involved? I guess in in these male-dominated sectors, whether it's construction or energy. Yeah, I definitely think education. I've I've seen. Um, just being more involved in this industry now, um, some programs or organizations that run programs for uh, girls in schools, just uh, the opportunity to sort of showcase um, some of these options for them, have them, you know, be able to try some things. So maybe it's, um, bring in some tools to the gymnasium and get them to to build something small and try things out or maybe it's a field trip and taking them to um, a site somewhere or, or habitat for humanity project or something mm -hmm. like that uh, you know and again having them um, just in an environment of girls they may feel more comfortable and less judged um, being away from their uh, their male classmates um, but I definitely think, um, education for sure. I actually had joined a couple of women, uh, construction or like professional organizations once I had, um, made the plunge and, and started going to carpentry school. One of which is a Canadian Association of Women in Construction or CA, um, WIC. Did I get that right? Or C-A-I-W-C? <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, just um, I had a lot of success in my former career with networking, um, I guess both personally and professionally. Initially, I did it more because I was in the sales role trying to find business opportunities. But as I got involved in the industry and went to events regularly and saw the same people and you get to know them, then things stem from that um you know later on it was uh, a job change and who your contacts are that can help support you in that regard um for me now there may be 
um, renovation jobs, people see what I'm doing now and, and may look to me for some assistance in that regard. So having a strong professional network is, is really important. And so for me, joining some of these organizations and getting to meet some women in this industry and learn about them and maybe learn um, about some of their struggles, advice, things that they are able to offer me is really helpful. Um, and uh, just making contacts. You never know when you might need um, whatever service for, for a job that you're doing. Um, so that I think is really important. And these organizations also run some educational endeavors themselves, which may be of interest to help further your your growth um, in a in an industry as well. So I would say um, professional so well taking the in initiative yourself and in joining professional organizations or for those professional organizations or companies to reach out and, and run programs in, in schools, I think would be very helpful. Or or even local communities perhaps as well. Yeah, as you've been talking, I've been thinking when my do my next renovation, I'm going to be calling you up because uh, and I know Mark has several, so maybe he'll be calling you up too. So, so what are the other big things that I always think about? And you know, it's always easy to speak, you know, woman to woman about this, but I want to just make sure we're kind of exposing our listeners who, you know, there's a lot of men who are listening into this as well, and some of them have companies, and some of them, uh, you know, are maybe part of non for profits or sit on boards, and so I think it's an important thing to be thinking about, but. You know, a lot of women, they get to an age where, you know, they've established themselves in their career and, you know, now they're willing to start a family and, and, and in certain roles and, you know, engineering is a little bit different to a certain extent because the job isn't necessarily as physical per se, but in your role, for example, you know, if you were to get pregnant today, it, your, your, your responsibilities and duties might have to shift to support your pregnancy, right? And especially as you kind of move through, through that and then I think the other aspect is, you know, maternity leave, right? And, you know, what does that look like? I mean, we have some, some U.S. listeners, so their maternity leave is a little bit different. I think, you know, considerably shorter than what ours is typically in Canada. But many women, you know, are taking, you know, a, a year off for the maternity leave. And I think we go out to 18 months now. But, you know, as women often we're concerned about losing our careers and not having the same status when we return to work or, because it's a year, let's say, that we're off of work, we're afraid of losing, you know, what, everything that we had built because maybe the industry or something has changed so quickly. I don't I don't think you have children, but I could be wrong. I, I, don't, I do, you do not. not. Okay. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, like, how does your employer, and maybe maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but how does your employer support these changes, especially as they're bringing more women on? Because obviously, there it's bound to happen, right? Where people are, you know, wanting to start families. Or if you can't answer that, what do you think needs to change in? And I'm, it doesn't have to be specific to the construction industry, but to support women as we want to start families and we still want to have kind of a good blend. We want to have our careers, but we want to have our families too. Mm -hmm. Well. Being newer to this industry, I guess I don't have a lot to share from experience in that regard. But um, from what I've seen, I guess, in the, the ever-changing working world, that companies, and I guess I can't speak for all of them, but um, 
there are companies that do seem to be working towards work-life balance, or at least recognizing the importance of family um, and work. Um, a former employer of mine uh, pro provided six uh, personal days, or a set number, I guess, of personal days per year, which did expire. These at another company would generally be called sick days, but mm -hmm. my company referred to them as personal days with the concept that you can use them however you need. If you want extra vacation time, if you've got to leave early for an appointment, um, that kind of a way. And you could use those days in, I think, quarter, um, quarter day amounts. So break it okay. down that way in terms of, of two-hour increments. Um, I thought that was a clever way to try and support people's need to take time out of work for various personal reasons. Um, but in doing that as well, showing this, that support and offering a solution probably helps mitigate the um, unnecessary or, or false, if you will, use of, of sick time, that, that the time off is more legitimate. Um, and again, having this sort of flexible six days worth of time to use per year, uh, I think was, was a really good idea. And uh, yeah, so, so further on that note, um, I'd like to think that a, a lot more companies nowadays are finding ways to accommodate, again, that work-life balance. I, certainly, I guess we could speak to that with the pandemic and everybody being forced to work from home. But hopefully, once things are returning back to uh, quote-unquote normal, um, <laughs> that, that companies continue to support working from home or flexible working for those who can, um, mm -hmm. not just, okay, well, we're through the pandemic, everybody back to the office, because certainly um, there can be concerns on the employer side about accountability and getting things done. I, I think they could figure out ways to manage that. But if people are getting their work done, does it really matter where or how or when? Uh, obviously, respecting timelines and so forth. But um, you know, if the work gets done, the work gets done. And at the end of the day, isn't that what it's all about? <laughs> Yeah, no, it is for sure. And I think we're starting to see that for sure. Um, you know, in roles that are maybe a little more physical, I think it's going to be interesting to see how that continues to play out over the years, right? As we see more and more women shift. I just, before I got on going into the podcast today, I, I looked up some statistics because Mark knows I love my facts. And uh, in the USA, just so you know, in 2019, only 12.1% of employees working in construction were women. Apparently, the highest percentage of women working in construction actually comes from Germany currently, and that's at 15.4%, according to Catalyst.org, um, citing them. Um, so, you know, I think it's going to be interesting, like, as we start to see those numbers climb, and hopefully it's a little bit of what you said, that education and that mentorship and that kind of encouragement to get into male-dominated sectors. What does it look like, especially when women get to, you know, you know, a time when they want to have family and they might be a little more restricted either physically or, you know, because of appointments and everything else, you know, what does that look like kind of moving into the future? So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what happens there. Yeah. Um, so you obviously have just, we'll call it recently started in obviously construction, but 
I'm sure you know of women who have been involved in the construction field for, you know, a number of years, people that you're probably working with. Um, and the old kind of adage is if you really want to get ahead in a male dominated sector, you need to act and kind of be like one of the boys, right? Using quotation marks, like, and, and a lot of women have, <clears throat> excuse me, have adopted that to try to advance their careers or fit in. What do you think about that idea? Like, is that something that, you know, you as a woman advocate do you think, you know, if it gets you somewhere, then fine, it's not hurting anybody? Or do you think that we should, as women, really start to separate ourselves and, you know, own our kind of femininity to um, to kind of still differentiate ourselves from males? What's, what's your thought process on that? Um, I guess I, I wouldn't say that women should have to change or, you know, as as you mentioned there be one of the boys in order to fit in and, and make it work. Will, will it be a different work environment? Sure. And going from planning events in a, in an office, <laughs> it's going to be a different environment being on the job site, uh, with a bunch of males, but, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that women have to change. I, I think that um, the environment is going to have to change a little bit. Um, so myself, my, uh, employer is, um, a smaller sized company. So I, again, may not have experienced, um, a lot of, or all of what goes on in terms of, um, gender bias or discrimination, gender discrimination on a job site. Um, my employer is, uh, very supportive of women and so excited to um, have have had met me and brought me on board um, and to have me join join his team and uh, I know that if I were to have an issue on the job with any um, any of the sub trades or, or uh, that sort of thing that that we're dealing with um, to l let him know um, because he, wouldn't stand for, um, you know, for that. And, um, sometimes on job sites, there may be typically jokes or certain topics that are discussed, uh, again, as, as one of the boys and not to say all joking has to stop because now there's a female on site, but it's just being mindful of, you know, that, that goes for any, um, any topic, um, that just being mindful, um, of the people around you, I guess, in general, uh, and not just women, it could be jokes about, um, you know, any, anything that might be offensive to anyone, you're, you're not sure what other people have going on in their lives or, um, yeah, uh, that you in terms of offending someone. So mm -hmm. I think it's just um, being mindful of that. Work can still be fun, even though women are on site. It can still be productive. Um, myself, I am not the strongest person, so sometimes I do need some assistance with the heavier things. But again, the work can still get done. It, it just may get done in a in a different manner. Yeah. Um, and again, um, 
in terms of, of the environment, it, it can still be uh, fun, just fun in a little bit of a different way. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I, I, I like the fact that you brought up the, you know, those, uh, I'll, I'll refer to them as derogatory comments only because, you know, sure. some people don't realize the, some of the sensitivities around, you know, words, obviously, right? And depending on the age or the gender of the individual. I mean, sometimes that impacts the conversation and it's something that we actually are trying to do as part of our 30 by 30 initiative. We've been having a lot of kind of internal discussions within our group about, you know, just some of those things that I don't think people mean to say, and this could be still men or women, right? Something like, you know, sweetie or right. Like it, it it's really, it's not meant to be a comment that, you know, is meant to be taken, you know, offense with, but at the same time, depending on who you're saying it and depending on the challenges that that particular woman might have faced throughout their career and, you know, the stepping stones that they might have had to take, it can, it can be offensive, right? So I think part of that is just the education of really, as you said, like kind of considering who you're around and it's not that the jokes have to stop and that, you know, um, you know, we have to be super mindful about the fact that, you know, women are now on a job site with us, but just having the respect for the fact that it's sometimes harder for women in male dominated sectors and, and that's easing and it's reducing and it's changing over time. Uh, and I think that's just great, but, uh, and we certainly have come a very, very long way, but continuing that path forward, we have to be kind of aware of those different comments, right? For sure. And I would add to that, uh, there, Lisa, that, I mean, certainly not everyone is outspoken or, or comfortable speaking out, but, um, in that regard too, that um, sometimes things are said that aren't meant to be offensive in any way that someone may take offense to. And I think it's important to feel comfortable enough to, to voice that um, so people know, and then you can nip it in the butt right there. You know, e even if it is, again, something small like that, or just having a conversation that, you know what, I, I really don't like when you call me sweetie, you know, <laughs> <laughs> however that goes, like, uh, you know, my name is this, I, I or, you know, I, I don't think you mean it in a uh, disrespectful manner, but if you could, you know, not call me that, um, but uh, yeah, and, and I mean, sometimes these conversations, depending on the person, aren't easy to have but I think that that may help mitigate some of um, some of those challenges as well yeah yeah and I think it's just you know it, that, that this subject is really just one of many that you know as we move on we continue and more women are entering male-dominated sectors they'll start to feel maybe more comfortable with it right like I think it all starts with education and whether that's just getting more women involved in the sector, getting them working with their hands more and kind of teaching that stuff from a young age, because historically, I mean, we did like even when you and I went to school, probably like in grade school, like they kind of separated a little bit. Right. And I think that's changed, you know, you know, since and I, I don't exactly know, you know, exactly when it changed. But I think that they've started to kind of change that in the curriculum a little bit, which is great. And so that's introducing women to things a little bit sooner and, you know, like that hands-on work. Um, so it's just, yeah, one element of, of many that is improving and, uh, you know, the way that uh, um, really, or, or I shouldn't say improving, but it's, it, well, it's improving 
you know, the it's, it's providing opportunity for women and making them feel more comfortable to enter those male dominated sectors. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And, and I, I think you're, well, you're recording, we're recording this while you're in your car. And I think I even see a toolbox in the back. So, uh, yeah. yeah, that's, that's funny, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love yeah, it. That's great. Yeah. My employer keeps telling me I need to get a pickup truck, but I keep saying my little um, Subaru hatchback works just fine. For now. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fantastic. So where do you want to take your career from here? Um, you know, what's, what's the thought process for, you know, kind of next steps or do you, have you thought it, have you really thought about that? Like you did mention your, the apprenticeship at some point, but you've sort of happy with where you are, but have you thought about those next steps and where you want to take it? Um, that is a great question. I guess, um, you know, yes, yes and no um my uh employer employers talked about um you getting into purchasing homes and um you know well the dumpier the better i guess <laughs> like <laughs> you know um gutting them not necessarily knockdowns and and rebuilding them and selling them which is quite exciting you know it would be fun to do something whereby um, I could share some of my ideas and opinions as opposed to just executing um, a client's wishes. So that that's something different. Uh, seeing a lot of those um, home flipping and renovating shows over the years, that is certainly something in a past life I've thought about wanting to do on my own. So perhaps that'll uh, eventually come to fruition at some point. Um, no specific plans right now, though. Uh, I'm just enjoying the the journey and learning and growing. We'll probably continue to uh, get involved um, with women in construction groups. I have kind of been lacking in, in that regard uh, lately, just been so busy with work. Um, I love learning, so continuing education. Maybe I'll take up a, a night course of, of some sort just to learn more about uh, the industry or maybe certain policies or, or things of that sort. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely a lifelong learner. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Well, if you were to look back at your younger self or maybe just for somebody who's listening in, you know, a woman who maybe has not, isn't involved in the, in a male dominated sector yet, or, or even just for younger women in general, like what advice would you give, to get them involved and to get them started and to lead them into whether it's construction or energy or, you know, just, just something that's, I'll call it male dominated. What would be your advice? There's a lot of organizations that I've come across just in doing research online, um, wanting to get into this industry myself that support, well, youth getting into mm-hmm. to trades and so forth. And then aside from youth, specifically women and specifically girls, the pre-apprenticeship program that I did, I've seen a couple for women only. Um, again, the women in construction groups, uh, professional organizations that I'm part of, um, there are lots. Um, there's LinkedIn groups for women in construction. I'm sure even specific groups like uh, female plumbers, things like that. So there's definitely a lot of support out there. It's just a matter of um, finding someone 
Um, and again, like I said, networking is huge. Even just in my network, people have mentioned of um, specific tradespeople that they know. Um, actually, I've connected with a couple of fellow hospitality people um, that I did not know <laughs> uh, at the time, but who have taken on the same career path I have now. And we've connected that way. Just um, uh, we've had a contacts in common that have put the two of us together. So um, yeah, just um, taking a look at, at what's out there and, and sort of taking the uh, initiative and kind of going after what you want. There's a lot of support out there. It's just sometimes a matter of, of finding it. Um, even uh, an employment agency, they have a lot of resources as well, and I'm sure would be able to steer you in the right direction if, if they weren't able to help you directly in that regard. That's great. No, that's uh, that's awesome. And uh, well, obviously, you've come a, a long, long way from our days at Cardinal Carter High School. Uh, so now being in construction and, uh, I mean, I, I, you know, urge you to keep up with your posts on LinkedIn and other social media platforms. Cause I think it helps to reduce, you know, some of the stigma that still exists in terms of women in construction. Right. And, uh, and, you know, obviously, you know, wish the best, uh, you know, to you for, you know, in your future endeavors and everything else. And, and so for people who are interested in like, either contacting you or just learning about more about Melissa Strange. Like, how do they reach out to you, Melissa? Sure. I guess the best avenue um, professionally would be LinkedIn. Um, so my, I believe it's the LinkedIn address, www.linkedin.com backslash Melissa D. Strange. And the uh, contact information is there. You can message me or follow me or connect with me. Um, just send me a little note as to, um, you know, who you are, why you're interested in connecting. And I love meeting new people and um, learning about their stories. And yeah, would be happy to, to connect with any of your listeners who are interested in, in learning more. That's fantastic. Well, big, big thank you, Melissa, uh, for coming on the show. It was an absolute pleasure to catch up. Um, this was episode 57 of Energy Radio. Thank you to our listeners for listening in. Uh, for those of you that are interested in learning more about CM's 30 by 30 initiative that's uh, being run by Engineers Canada, please feel free to keep an eye on, on our LinkedIn profile and other social media uh, avenues where we'll be continuing to post over the next couple of months and um, yeah, getting more involved and bringing uh, our workforce up to 30% of women by 2030. Thanks again, Melissa. Thank you for having me, Lisa. It's been a You're pleasure. You're most welcome.